Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Hey, thank you for being here. Thank you for those who are tuning in online at our Rossville campus as well. It's great to see you this morning, this Sunday morning. Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Now, I'm starting a new sermon series today called Christmas. Christmas. Remember the reason. We, I'm not mad at Christmas. Hear me. I'm not, I'm not mad at Christmas today. Uh, but I do think what has happened in our, in our day is Christmas has become so commercialized that we really forget the very reason we celebrate Christmas. And, and we even forget internally, like in the church, we forget because we think Christmas uh, is about a baby in a manger and that's just not the case. And we, we keep Jesus in a manger a little bit too long uh, when in reality it's not about uh, Christmas. Uh, Christmas is not about a baby that was in a manger. It's about our our, uh, the Son of God who was going to come and die for our sins. And so I want to talk about that over the next few weeks. Actually, this Sunday, next Sunday, and even our Christmas Eve service, I'll, I'll end it with that just for a few moments on Christmas Eve, and talk about what is the reason for uh, this season. What, how do we get out of this Christmas mess that we're in about it? So I want to preach on this today as we remember the reason for Christmas. We need a Savior. Why do we celebrate Christmas? We celebrate it because we need a Savior. Now, I want to be honest with you today. I'm going to speak directly to a certain group of people, and I just want everybody else to tune in and say amen. There, there are people here this morning that, are, that you're watching online. You're at our Rossville campus. You're, you're, you're in the building this morning. Maybe even you're watching this sermon days after I've preached. And here's the truth. You're listening to me today, and in reality, you don't know for sure that if you were to die, you'd spend eternity in heaven. Uh, you're in the building, you're in the sermon, you're, you're, you're in the sphere, you're hearing me. You could be a church member here somewhere else. You could love going to church, you could give, you may serve. But the reality is, you don't know for sure that Christ is in your life and heaven is your home. You are not 100% sure. And when I use that stat, people are always like, you can't be, you absolutely can. Jesus died so we can know 100% sure that Christ is in our life and heaven is our eternal home. And I'm talking to you today if that's not you. So I want you to hear me over the next, next few moments. I want to talk to you and get you to understand why Christmas exists and get you to make a decision today about that. Let me get to that for a moment. Let me talk about Christmas. So some people have uh, weird notions around Christmas time, like strange ideas around Christmas time. And used to, they kept it to themselves. But fortunately now we have Google, and Google will reveal to us the weird things people think about at Christmas time. For example, uh, there's a media company that, that looked at Google searches over a three-year period at Christmas time. And they gave us some information on what people are actually Googling at Christmas time. For example, they told us this, that people are Googling 12,100 searches for is McDonald's open on Christmas? 
I just want to tell you, Mama, you got to do better than that, right? McDonald's, if you're looking for McDonald's on Christmas, something has gone very, very wrong at your Christmas meal. But this one's even funnier to me. There were, over a three-year period, there were 6,600 searches for the phrase, Christmas dinner in a can. Christmas dinner in a can. Now, again, Mama's? you got to train your children better than that. They don't put turkey and pigs in a blanket and mashed potatoes and stuffing in a can until this year. And Heinz, so let me tell you how I arrived at this photo. I was literally in my office this morning about 5 o'clock and I, I, I was looking over my sermon, and I said, uh, what in the world are people trying to figure out by Googling Christmas dinner in a can? Are there people out there that think uh, you can actually get your Christmas dinner in a can? What kind of millennial does not know you don't get Christmas dinner in a can? And when I, when I Googled it, I found out that this year, this year, Heinz figured out people were Googling it and they literally, for charity purposes, they donate the money to charity. They, they created a limited number of Christmas dinner in a can soups. You know what's in it? Turkey, stuffing, Brussels sprouts, chunky potatoes, and get this, even pigs in a blanket are in Christmas dinner in a can. So I'm just telling you, if you see a can, buy it. You want it. I don't know. Buy it for me. If you see a can, buy it for me if you don't want it. What else are people Googling? You look at the map they create. I know you can't read that, but I'm going to tell you the relevant things that are in there. For example, the most popular search on Google during Christmas time was Netflix. It was the most popular search group in 12 12 different states. Alabama, Connecticut, Kentucky, Kentucky, all Googled last minute Christmas ideas. So Alabama, Connecticut, Kentucky, get your stuff together and quit Googling that on Christmas Day. Alaska, of all places, their number one uh, search was Planet Fitness Hours as they're trying to work off Christmas dinner on Christmas Day. But now here are some I just want to put up here and make some comments. For example, in Maine, the number one search was how long to roast a chicken. And I just want to say something to Maine. A chicken and a turkey are not the same thing. Why are you cooking a chicken on Christmas? In Texas and Oklahoma, fast food open on Christmas. Um, Apparently, they're not going all in for Mama's Christmas dinner. Now, this is the one I don't understand. Arkansas, Walmart Christmas hours. Now, can I just say something to the state of Arkansas? Everybody in the state of Arkansas works for Walmart. That's where the headquarters is. You should know it. How long Walmart is open? How about this one? This one blows my mind. South Dakota, number one search. Is Starbucks open on Christmas? In other news, there's a Starbucks in South Dakota. Who knew that? Right? And and then Virginia. Eggnog alcohol recipes. Only state in the union. And I just want to point out to you, the people who run the government live right here. I just want you to notice that. Eggnog alcohol recipes. And then in Georgia, 
Georgia, where to buy coal. How bad are the kids in Georgia, man? How bad are the kids in Georgia? We're not Googling where to get a PlayStation. We're not Googling, we're Googling, where to buy coal for my kid. That's what my kid deserves this year is coal. And then finally, Massachusetts. What is Christmas? That's, that's the mess we're in. What is Christmas? Can you believe that this is the number one phrase in any state in America? What is Christmas? Yes, that's, that's where we find ourselves today because buried in all the hoopla that surrounds Christmas today, we wind up missing the real reason for Christmas because the real reason for Christmas wasn't the commercialism. It wasn't the Best Buy cards or whatever. It, but by the way, if you find yourself in Best Buy, just know uh, that is my favorite store. But it's not about uh, Best Buy cards. It's not about days off. Christmas is not about family and it's not about nostalgia. And hear me, I love all of that. I love every bit of that. There is a reason for the season of Christmas. And we find it in Matthew chapter 1. So would you stand with me as we honor God's word by reading, what is Christmas? It's in Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was discovered they came to, uh, before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. So her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son and you're to name him Jesus because he will, notice this, save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by, spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the, angel's Lord had command, as the Lord's angel had commanded him. He married her, but did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son, and he named him Jesus. Thank you. You may be seated. When you look in the Greek text of the Bible, the very first word in verse number 18 is the word Messiah. It is the word Jesus Christ. This whole passage of the Christmas story starts out with what we needed, what Christmas is all about. The very first word in the birth of Jesus, his story is the word Messiah, is the word Christ. Here's why that is true, because Christmas was and is about the fact that you and I and everybody, more than anything, we needed a Savior. We needed a Messiah. So why did, we give a, why did we need a Savior so badly? Well, in that passage, I think uh, the writer, God, has given us at least three reasons we needed a Savior so badly. Let me show you. Number one, number one is this. We needed a God-sized solution to fix our man-made problem. We needed a God-sized solution. Now, here's what it says in verse 20. But after he considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife because 
what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It is the deep mystery of the incarnation is expressed by the angel in the very simplest of words, but in the most adequate way. Here's what happened. Mary and Joseph were engaged. Now, you have to know about engagements back in the day. By the time they were betrothed to one another, it was a legal binding document when they became each other's fiance. They were, they were in the eyes of the law all married but yet not consummated the marriage and oftentimes the marriage the, the the engagement would last up to a year at which time there'd be a ceremony and then the uh the, the bride and groom then would be married together would consummate the marriage and then live with each other uh, as husband and wife from that day forward but before during this engagement time in order to separate themselves it literally took a writing of divorce even though they were engaged Mary and Joseph were engaged. They were at this point in the relationship where it would have taken a divorce to separate them as the text even lays out. And all of a sudden, in the middle of that, Mary is expecting, and the Bible's very plain, Joseph, Joseph has not touched her physically, done nothing inappropriate. And so Joseph is faced with this dilemma of my fiance is expecting, I've not touched her. So obviously, as we would all translate it, obviously she has been unfaithful and immoral, and so I'm going to have to divorce her. That was what was going through her mind. While he's thinking on these things, the Lord sends an angel to him saying, Joseph, time out, time out. Joseph, I'm going to explain something to you that you're going to have a hard time grasping and really, really all of, all of, all of ki the kingdom, all of humanity is going to have a hard time grasping from this point forward. But uh, let me explain something to you, Joseph. Uh, Mary's expecting, but she's not been immoral. She's not been unfaithful. Uh, that child that she's carrying is from the Holy Spirit. Now, nothing physical happened between the Holy Spirit and Mary. He is a spirit. But God supernaturally implanted the seed of God into the womb of Mary so that God was going to be able then to be born of a woman. That the child is from the Holy Spirit. How did this come about? Why did this come about? It came about for this reason. We had a severe man-made problem that was going to require a God-sized solution and only God could fix our man-made problem because here's what verse number 20 explains to me, that this baby that's going to be born will be the child of God. Part man, part God. He was not going to be half man, half God. He was going to be fully man, fully God. That he was the God man. He was God in the flesh come down to man to fix our man-made problem. Here is what uh, the angel was trying to tell Joseph, that Joseph, your problem, man's problem is so big, you cannot solve your problem. God was going to have to solve your problem, and the only way he could do that was come down to earth himself and do it. You say, what in the world was our problem that God had to come down and solve it. Here it is. Sin. 
sin. Sin had ruined our relationship with God. Sin had ruined our relationship with others. Sin had ruined life in eternity for us. Sin had created a problem so big that we could not come close to solving our problem. We needed Christmas because our man-made problem couldn't have a man-made solution. We tried that. We tried it. We tried being good and we couldn't be good. We tried working for, uh, to fix our problem and, and being good enough, and that never worked. We tried earning our salvation. We tried creating a workaround, and our solutions never solved the problem of sin. And by the way, it was never going to solve the problem of sin. And hear me, it'll never solve your problem of sin. You cannot be good enough to solve the problem of sin. You cannot work hard enough to solve the problem of sin. You cannot give enough to solve the problem of sin. Your problem of sin, that man-made problem, is always going to require a God-sized solution. And whatever, whatever fix you can come up with is always, always going to be a failure. No, sin was our problem, but we needed a God-sized solution to fix our man-made problem why because we're just not very good at it we're not we're not very good at solving any problem whatsoever like like the simplest of problems like we're not very good at i'll give you an example of what we're not good at what are those anybody can you see that what is that oreos been around since 1912 did you know they sell 92 million oreos per day day 92 million oreos and you've got traditional oreos this is all kinds of oreos and and i'm a big fan of just regular oreos i don't need anything other than the regular one but you've seen different iterations right you've seen like golden oreos and s'mores oreos and pumpkin spice oreos and and even mint oreos and then red velvet oreos right like we've seen all those different iterations but the oreo company thought this they thought we want to come up with a new new oreo and we're going to let the people decide what oreo to come up with so they ran a campaign for the people to decide what the new flavor of oreo needed to be and so here's some of the things they came up with for cotton candy oreo not my thing but i i, I could live with it and then cheesecake oreo Again, not my, not my thing. But this, this one I wouldn't mind. Pecan pie Oreo, right? Like how many of you might like pecan pie? Like I could live with pecan pie Oreo, right? And then it went downhill quickly. Buffalo wings Oreos. What? It gets worse. Spaghetti Oreos. No. Nah. Velveeta. I mean, nobody like a block of cheese better than me, but come on, man, that does not go together. And finally, finally, for the winner of the worst Oreo idea on the planet of all time human history, sauerkraut Oreos. I'll be honest with you, I like sauerkraut. I like Oreos. 
I don't want to be anywhere in the same room as a sauerkraut Oreo. So you know what that told me? Do not let the people decide. That's what that told me. They have no idea what the next flavor of Oreo is going to be. Whatever they come up with will absolutely be a failure. We can't choose Oreos, hear me. You can't choose, you can't fix, you can't solve your sin problem either. Whatever solution you come up with is not going to work because you have a sin problem and every sin you commit, it ruins something in your life. Every sin you have moves you farther away from God. It damages your relationship with God. It digs you, uh, it digs your hole into hell deeper and deeper and deeper. And hear me this morning, you cannot solve your sin problem. You cannot be good enough. You cannot try hard enough. You cannot give enough. You cannot do any thing enough you had to have Jesus you have to have Jesus listen you may be in the room this morning you may be watching me online wherever you may be and you're trying to solve your sin and eternity problem on your own hear me quit trying it's not going to work every religion other than Christianity has tried Every religion other than Christianity says, do this, do this, do this, do this. And Christianity says, no, it's already been done by Jesus. Christmas was all about the God-sized solution to our man-made problem of sin. And there's some of you here today that you think if I, if I come to church enough, if I work enough, if I, if I, clean up the way I talk or I clean up the way I live or I clean up where I go or I change my friends no hear me none of that will solve your sin problem God is the only solution to your sin problem and we have Christmas because we needed a God-side solution to our man-made problem but number two we needed Christmas we needed a savior because we were drowning in debt look at what Look what it says in verse 21. She'll give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because, which is Yahweh saves or Yahweh is savior, depending on how it's written in the Hebrew. And he will save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. We, we stay on this same subject and Matthew gets more specific that God was coming to solve our problem and he was to save us from their sins, but really in reality, he was to save us from our sins, our sin, my sin. Save us. What do you mean by save us? Why did we need save? Here's why you need to save. You were drowning in the debt of your sin and every day of your life, you add more to your sin debt. By the way, it is a debt you cannot pay. It is a debt you cannot lower. Did you know that your sin debt is a debt that only increases and never decreases? And hear me, there, there's not a scale up in heaven somewhere with your good deeds on one side and your, your bad deeds on another and you're trying your best to get more, more uh, good deeds. Then That's not how it works. That's not how it works. How it works is this. The Bible says, when you fall short of the glory of God, Romans 3, 10, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 6, 23, but the wages of sin is death. When you, when you sin, 
You just keep stacking and going farther and farther and farther and farther into debt without paying for that sin. And so Jesus came along, and here's what he explained to us, that you have to be saved from your sin, your sin. Because it's an insurmountable debt. It's the kind of debt we, we rack up at Christmas time. I, I didn't put all these stats on the screen, but it's the kind of debt we rack up at Christmas time. For example, did you know about 41% of U.S. adults said they'll be going into debt or deeper into debt for Christmas shopping? About 45% said it's to make themselves happy or to make their children happy or to make their spouse happy or to make a friend happy. But when you read about the Christmas debt, get this, 27% of indebted people have no idea how they're going to repay their debts. And another 30% hope to pay it off with their tax refund. And another 15% almost are going to get a loan to pay off the loan they got at Christmas. So it's just debt and more debt and more debt and more debt. And the fact is, because of Christmas, most people are drowning in debt. That's physical, but it paints the idea. Hear me, your sin debt is worse. Your sin debt's worse. Your sin debt falls into one of two categories, unpayable or paid. Unpayable or paid. Unpayable. What do you mean, preacher? If you're trying to pay your own sin debt, your sin debt is unpayable. But if you let Jesus do it, it's paid. Jesus came to pay your debt because you could not. And some of you are here this morning and your sin debt is what's oppressing you this morning, holding you down. Here's the best example I could think of. This is the most human example I could think of. I won't ask you to raise your hand. But how many of you have ever been upside down in debt on a car? You say, what is upside down in debt on a car? It's when you owe more on the car than it's worth, and you are financed to the hilt, and you're stuck with that car until something radical happens. And so no matter how big of a clunker you're driving, If you're upside down on it, all you can do is either get more upside down on it or hold on to that clunker. And I've been there. I've seen people who do it. I've been there as well. You go by the car lot and you long and you dream and you wonder and imagine about having that new car. But you know what? You can't have it because of the debt that you owe on your current one. That's the best example I could think of for your sin debt because your old life without Jesus is a clunker. It's filled with addiction and shame and chains and guilt and remorse and anxiety. Your old life without Jesus is a clunker. That means you are so spiritually in debt that you cannot see your way out. You look at the life of a Christian and you see joy and forgiveness and resiliency and your clunkers holding you back. How do you get out of that drowning debt of sin? Here's how. You have to have a Savior. You have to have a Savior. What are you waiting on today to get out of that debt of sin that you owe heaven, that you owe God, that you owe, that you've done, that you've committed? 
That guilt and that shame and that anxiety and that remorse that comes without having your sin forgiven, your debt paid that you're drowning in, you just get deeper and deeper into guilt, deeper and deeper into shame, deeper and deeper into sin. You had to have a Savior because you were drowning in debt. Number three, we had to have a Savior because He became so we could become. He became, look what it said in verse 23, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son. They will name him Emmanuel, which is translated, God is with us. One of the names of our Savior, God is with us. That is, the Lord of heaven stepped out of heaven, took off his royalty, and came to earth, and he didn't take away his deity. He just added humanity to his deity. He didn't let the deity override his humanity. He knew exactly what it was like to be God. He knew exactly what it was like to be human. And you say, how in the world do we reconcile that? We call it the incarnation. And John expounded on it in John chapter 1. He said, the word became flesh. The logos of God became flesh and dwelt among us. We observed his glory. The glory is the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus became flesh, so we could become so much more than that. Second Corinthians tells us he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He became so we could become. First John 3, 2, dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him. Because we'll see him as he is. The incarnation is about Jesus becoming so we could become. Christmas is celebrated because Jesus became one of us so we could become the righteousness of God and a child of God for all eternity would you close your bibles and i'm i'm finished it's an interesting story i read the other day that uh, a hiker was lost in a colorado mountain so a guy had gone hiking by himself and and after 24 hours he was reported missing he didn't come back from his expedition and it's the highest peak in the state so search crews were sent out and after 24 hours they began to canvas the area helicopters everything and and they kept trying to call the hiker on his cell phone and there was cell phone reception in the area a little bit but they they were never able to reach him on the cell phone and the hiker somehow had wandered off the trail and he had spent the night in the woods trying to find the trail but after 24 hours, they, the hiker found their, his way out, but the search team was still looking. Finally, the guy came and joined the search team. He was like, what's all the fuss about? But, but here's the interesting thing. Here's the interesting thing. For the whole 24 hours, they'd been calling him on the phone, and, and he had seen the phone number calling him. And he'd press ignore on every phone call. And they were like, God, why didn't you answer the phone? 
And he's like, well, I didn't recognize the number, so I just kept hitting ignore. And they, they put it on their Facebook page, and they said, hey, when you've been lost in the woods for 24 hours, please answer your phone. Because somebody may be trying to save you. Christmas is a mess, but let me straighten it out today. We, we needed a Savior. Why do we celebrate Christmas? We celebrate Christmas because Jesus came because we needed a Savior and we needed a God-sized solution to fix our man-made problem. Our man-made problem of us drowning in the dead of our sin. Our man-made problem that we had no idea how to have access to God, but He became man so we could connect with God. He became so we could become. Now hear me this morning. Stand with me. Stand with me. There's some of you in the room this morning. There's some of you watching on a screen this morning. And God is absolutely ringing your number. And you keep hitting ignore. 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 Hear me. God won't keep ringing that number. He'll only be ignored for so long and then he'll step away. And that dread you had in your heart will be gone. That worry you had in your heart will be gone. That fear you had in your heart and you're gone. But listen, that desire to be saved you had in your heart will just be gone. The Bible calls it hardening your heart. It's not that God won't save you. It's that you won't go to God to be saved. So quit hitting ignore when God's calling and trying to save you. If you're watching on a screen, Jeremy's got a word for you. He's going to tell you how you can take the next step. Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that incredible message. And, and guys, really, what we've heard this morning is the gospel. And, and when it comes to the Christmas season, we think about Jesus being born in a manger. Um, we think about the beauty of that event, but really what that event represents for us it's our rescue story. Jesus came and was born as a baby to solve the problem that we as humanity created for ourselves through sin. And uh, maybe you listened to that message this morning and maybe it was the first time you heard and clearly understood the gospel. Maybe God has spoken to your heart this morning and today you need to give your heart and life to Jesus. It really is as simple as you understanding that you're a sinner. Started in the Garden of Eden, um, Adam and Eve broke God's law. Since then, we've all been born into sin. You've got to be willing to admit that. You've got to believe, and this is the gospel, that Jesus was born, He lived, He died, He was buried, and on the third day, He rose again, conquering sin, death, and hell for you and for me. And you've got to believe that. And then thirdly, you've got to confess Him as the Lord and Savior of your life. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if God spoke in your heart this morning and you need to give your heart and life to Christ, then I want you 
in the quietness of this moment, right where you are, to tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm asking for your forgiveness. I believe that you died on the cross so that you could offer forgiveness to me, that you were buried, and that on the third day you rose again. And Lord, right now I confess you as the Savior and Lord of my life. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer just now, then I want to tell you, welcome to the family. The gift of salvation that you just received is the greatest gift you'll receive uh, this Christmas season. And we want to help you take the next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. And so, um, if you just prayed to receive Christ, I want to ask you, if you would, pull out your cell phone and text just your name. So, like if it was me, I would say Jeremy Elam. Text your name to 423-800-1871. That's 423-800-1871. That'll come directly to my cell phone, and I'd love to connect with you and help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. Hey, it's been awesome to be together. I, I love this time of year. Uh, I love celebrating the birth of our Lord and the time we get to spend with family. And uh, I love hanging out with you on Sundays. It's been a great time together. God bless you. We'll see you next week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening.